Good afternoon, Wyndham and Willimantic. It's Tuesday, August 15th, and you're listening to The Neighborhood. This is Anita Sebastian with my co-host, Ernie Eldridge. You haven't been that wow <laughs> for a few days. I mean, holy moly, you saved it up for Matt, did you? Is that what uh, you did? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. See that? I know that. So, Anyways, uh, we would like to thank our sponsors, uh, Casella's Waste and uh, Matt Behind the Dial, who makes us always sound great, and Willie Radio, who's allow us to have it here on 1400 AM and 95.3 FM. And uh, it is not a bad day today at all. A little bit humid, but not not too awfully bad. So it's, it's cool in the morning, which is nice. So. Sprinkly, though. It's sprinkly. Well, sprinkly, you know, just what can I say? A little bit of rain never hurts anybody. And there are places that wishes they were having rain. Let's put it that True. way. Like That's... maybe Hawaii. You know, I hope that they were having, boy, they could use a heck of a storm. The winds are just blowing that fire every darn place. That's for sure. Anyways, uh, we we were talking at Rotary today. And um, we got to just remember that, uh, let me say that we have a third Thursday this Thursday. Which yes. is very good. So we like so, to mention and, that. And as far as I know, it's just August and September. Ah, so just, it's winding down a little. Oh, I yeah. hate to hear that, but I it know, is winding I know. down a little bit. That's for sure. And you think it's getting close to winter. And we were talking about the Rotary uh, Golf uh, uh, Contest. What Tournament. There you go. That's the word I needed. And we haven't quite got all the results yet, but it seems like we did very well for... Our club and for who the commercial was just on here for the HHH, how do you say it, Matt? Home and shelter. There you go. There you go. All right. And and they're, they're, they they uh, they partner with us as far as uh, some of the funds that we achieved from having the 114 uh, players and the sponsors and everybody else that kind of makes this thing work. Let's put it that way. We so want to thank each and every one of that's, them. That's oh, that's right. You're the president. I forgot that. I try not to. Rem- I try to forget. No, 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 no. Anita is the president of Rotary Club here this year. Anyways, uh, we were talking about the Windham Inn is what we were talking about. And and ghost stories and stuff about the inn. And everybody was having a good chuckle is what they were having. How some people believe and some people don't. And, the, and this sun, past Sunday, yes. there was an event there at, at the inn. Yeah. yeah. I do wish, though, I really do wish that the, uh, the the director of the inn that is the person who's in charge would just allow the people to go inside the building just a little bit, you know. I would think if you called the insurance company and said, hey, we're going to let people just walk just two rooms downstairs, can I get a rider on it? It, it would make it that much better because people were coming up to us at the car show, which was a success this uh, past Sunday, just saying, geez, they only let us in there, look in the door. That's it. Just let us look in the door, you know, which is not which is okay, but it isn't what people want. People want to feel the surrounding, feels the ghosts that uh, are in that building. Grab the whole ambiance. Uh, the, oh of boy, it. that's a big word. That's a big word. Anyway, so we thought we'd talk about some of the, uh, yeah, especially during this time of year and in the fall, it must be wonderful to take day trips and, uh, you know, maybe fun bucket list type activities. That's what it says right here. So, But uh, there's many ghost towns in Connecticut, believe it or not. And, you know, you don't think about ghost towns, but, you know, Connecticut may have been known for its charming little towns, and it does have quite a history, that's for sure. Wyndham does and Willimantic does. Many towns from back in the day that once stood strong in the state have since fallen, and their stories are 
fascinating. Lucky this post uh, was put together by this gentleman who did day trips is what he did. So here's some of the most interesting ones. And, and these, we uh, some I do know and some I don't know. So go ahead, Anita. Mm-hmm. The first one we're going to speak about is Gay City. Now, if you go out 85 out of Hebron, heading for Glastonbury, you run right into Gay City State Park is what you do. And that's a left-hand turn before you get into a road that takes you right into Glastonbury is what it does. And before it was a state park, it was a town, Absolutely. And it actually was, you know, it's a ghost town. And, And, I mean, it really is a ghost town. How's that? It was built back in the 18th century by a man named John Gay. And the city had a background of religion. Mm-hmm. So apparently Gay and his family and people that were like-minded with him had a little difficulty with uh, some of the religious requirements maybe of the Hartford community. And so they, they formed their own. Well, Gay City was born. And they even created a mill. And it was fairly popular and thriving right up until the Civil War ended. I wonder what they. I wonder what they milled. To be very honest with you, I. I there must be a waterfall there or some water. T- I've never been to Gay City, but no, no, but you're right. There must be water. You know, water power there because yep. everything during that time period was basically water power driven. So after the Civil War, it was they, abandoned. It was abandoned. You know, and the abandonment came when the town's mill was burnt down, okay? Which but is it the, wasn't the first time. Uh, it was the third time it happened, so they just decided enough was enough, to be honest with you. In fact, people left much of their belongings to leave to other towns and cities nearby. You know, there's a place like this up on... Oh, goodness gracious. It's 198 going out of... Uh, going out of um, that's where it is. Headed for, headed for Southbridge is where it is, and there's there's a there's a it's a campground now, but there's an abandoned town up there is what it is. So the town was left to the rest of the gays who were still alive, namely a woman named Emma Foster. Eventually, the area was just given to the state, but here's the provision. It had to be named. It had to be made into a state park and named after them. And so Gay City is one of the most, uh, is, is those ghost towns that is quite literally could be called a ghost town, as it is said to have um, lots of paranormal activity thanks to the rough past. In the past, there was a skeleton found inside a charcoal pit, as well as some other piles of bones that were found. These appeared to be brutal findings. As in someone did something to those people to cause their passing. So anyways, today, this is now Gay City State Park, and some ruins and remains can be found by hiking through the park. The park is also home to a pond. See, there's where the water is. Places to camp and beautiful spots to have a picnic, along with the bones. (laughs) (laughs) Bones just happens to be one of my favorite shows on TV. Have you ever seen Bones at all? A little bit. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, I don't know who thinks of these whatever, you know, when they find the bodies. I mean, they're just so deteriorated and there are all kinds of bugs and everything else. It's, it's just fantastic. It really is. So go ahead. Wait, I know you're a guy like I am. I, you know, I like skulls and all kinds of stuff, and you're the same type. So here's one I've never heard of. No, and they don't say where, where it is. And, I, that, and at the end, you'll probably know why. Go ahead. It's called Barahack. 
It's one of the ghost towns in Connecticut that some even say may be haunted to this very day. It was first settled back in the late 18th century by two Welsh descendants named Jonathan Randall and Obadiah, and here's a good name for you, Higginbotham. They Can you imagine going to school and having to spell that three, four times, would you please? <laughs> they moved their families to the area from Cranston, Rhode Island, and before long opened up Higginbotham Linen Wheels with the help of local Nightingale Brook. All right. With a new company, they created flax spinning in nearby communities and towns. Now, you know, it's, it's kind of reminds you of here and. In town, you know all the the mills and the and the flax or the or the spinning or the wool or the, you know the thread and so on. I mean, all of these have a connection like that. Luckily, we haven't become a ghost town, that's for sure. Even though Mill Number Four could almost be uh, haunted, to be very honest with you, the town eventually uh, named a Barrowhack. Is that how you said it? Is that correct? Barrowhack. Yes. Yeah. After a Welsh word that means breaking the bread in English. How's that? So uh, Barahack arose, and many fancy homes were eventually built throughout, along with a graveyard. We always have to have a graveyard, for goodness sakes. Not much is clear about how Barahack's demise came, but eventually Randall and Higginbotham passed away, and business began to go on a decline, unfortunately. Before long, many other residents decided to up and leave to other places that were Thriving, mm. which is, you know, kind of reasonable. I mean, it happens yeah, everywhere. By the time the 1900s began, you know, Barahack was already a ghost town. I mean, they, they've already moved out. It's, you know, the mills, in fact, a lot of mills were shut down at that time. But uh, Barahack gave the words ghost town a whole new meaning, as many people were convinced that it was actually haunted. Paranormal hunters uh, hunters uh, often would visit to see ruins and investigate and make many claim that they have seen ghost children, orbits. Is that orbs? Orbs. What? What are orbs? Are they uh, ghosts? No, no. Oh, oh, the things that run around and uh, kind of shoot. Uh, uh, go ahead. Little round balls of light. That there there you go. Around. I was thinking of lightning or something, but it's balls of light. Okay, that's orbs, huh? Yeah. Okay. Okay. We got them floating around our house, and uh, and an interesting noises, including voices and the sound of buggies from the 19th century. The property today is completely closed off to visitors because so many people keep visiting it. There are now signs all around the property that tell people not to visit unless a visit has been arranged with the owners of the property. Well, (laughs) number one, on the website, they do not tell you where this property is, Mm. nor do they tell you who owns it. So how are you going to find it, I guess, is... Uh, how are you going to arrange a visit? <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to Google it sometime is what we'll have to do. Dudley Town is another one. That's great. Now, we thought Dudley Town, we think of Dudley, Massachusetts. Yeah, we do. But... Exactly right. That's what I was thinking when it came out, Dudley Town. I was thinking that it was that one going into, you know, Dudley or going into, uh, which is 197 goes into Dudley in that area, in, which is outside of... Um, Yep, uh, it's Sturbridge and, and, and Southbridge in that area. But this one is over in Cromwell or something like that is where it's next to. Well, does it tell you? No, no. No, this no. one doesn't tell you either. No, it doesn't. Okay. 
Some say Dudley Town is one of the most haunted ghost, ghost towns. Ghost, yeah, duh. Ghost towns in New England. Many people are even scared to go near it because of the curse that many say haunts the remains. And it's hard to tell exactly when Dudley Town was first inhabited. It's believed to have been sometime in the early 18th century. This is when Thomas Griffiths, the original owner of the area, came to that spot. Before long, Gideon Dudley came, and the town was named after him. Why it wouldn't be named after the first guy there, I mean... Well, I I guess, you know, it's whoever owns the darn thing, so... Two of his (laughs) brothers also came to the area, but it's said that they're the ones who brought the curse over to Connecticut. Well, you know, the the curse was a long time coming. Let's put it, let's see. There was a Dudley family that had a curse dating back to 1500s that supposedly everybody in the family was going to be plagued with horrors and uh, however some scholars have said that the family didn't actually have a connection to the ones in Connecticut. While Dudley Town may never have been an actual town because not many people live there, it did become pretty well known for timber thanks to its forested location. However, furnaces and other industrial technological advances eventually made it so it was no longer needed. You know, unusual events are what you know, end up in Dudley's uh, demise. The, the people supposedly vanished and began to lose touch with reality. And I think it was something in the water, to be honest with you. That's what it sounds like to me. You know, the, you, you, you agree there, Matt? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's a, they drank the Kool-Aid or something. But, but many people eventually left. And flash forward to the 1990s, it is said to be... 1900s. 1900s, excuse me. It is said to be an evil and haunted area. They they have some up in Maine. Hey, kid, my kid sister's up in Maine. Uh, there was uh, ghost stories about Maine. If you go and, and Google it, there's a lot of, uh, you know, towns up in Maine that are full of ghosts. So, hi, Mom. Anyways, so Bloomfield, which, you know, this is strange. I think we still have a Bloomfield, Connecticut, I believe. But, yes, we do. Okay. Located not far from Windsor, Bloomfield was eventually abandoned as well. Not much is known about Bloomfield and how it met its demise, but it does have a pretty interesting road nearby that many called Evil Knievel Road because (laughs) there has been a ghost car supposedly driving it and causing many accidents. Interesting. You know, it reminds me of the Haynesville Woods, which is up in Maine, and uh, there's a song about it, a ribbon of ice and so on and so forth, and all these truckers. If you buried all the truckers uh, lost in those woods, it'd be a tombstone every mile, I think the song goes. But but there's a story about, uh, and it's a trucker stops, and there's this girl on the side of the road, and she gets in the truck, you know, and she had been in an accident the whole nine yards, but by the time he got to the end of the Haynesville Woods, the girl disappeared, you know. So it, there's many stories about that, but uh, it's a haunted place, that's for sure. It's most likely that the town ended up being abandoned because of this very road and how hard it was to get to and from Bloomfield. It's assumed that everyone up and left to find a place that was more easily accessible. And today there's a sign that just says the pavement is ending when people try to visit. It can only be visited on foot. 
Oh, interesting. Okay, so Johnsonville, here you go. And Johnson Village, okay, which is Johnsonville, okay. And I, I remember it only because I'm not sure if it, it's in East Haddam is where it is. They had one heck of a great auction there. This was probably 10 or 15 years ago. This guy collected all kinds of wonderful stuff, the, the Raymond there, Schmidt. And he collected all kinds of great stuff. In fact, he had a, in the middle of the pond there, he had a, a, a side-wheeler showboat and stuff like that. I mean, wow. just, just some great stuff. And I can remember the auction was very hard because the whole place was just littered with all kinds of stuff. And what they had done was they had taken pictures of the things. And so you bid from a room, and the picture would come up on the screen, and that's how you bid as such. So, But it was, it was just an outstanding auction. But anyways, Johnson Village is... Near where East Haddam is today, it has roots dating back to the early 19th century and became a mill town with Emery Johnson, who was able to use the nearby river for the mill. A man named Raymond Schmidt bought the mill from Johnson's family in the late 20th century and really wanted to take it and turn it into a tourist destination mm -hmm. in Connecticut, hence all the stuff that he collected. Yes. However, just a few years after he purchased it, the area burned to the ground because of a lightning strike and was shut down due to East Haddam rules. You know, a hotel company purchased the area in 2001 and with the very same idea to basically redo the area. Uh, re Reinvigorate uh, There we go. That's a big word. And turn it into a tourist spot. But once again, it didn't work. Most recently, it was purchased in 2017 by a group from the Philippines with plans to turn it into a worship area. It's currently closed to the public. Yeah, like I said, that it was it was just one of the best auctions you ever saw in your life as far as funky stuff, that's for sure. Little People Village. For some reason, many of Connecticut's ghost towns have a very creepy past. <laughs> and another is Little People Village. It's in Middlebury, and the stories about its past are very jumbled, as in there are mixed stories about what actually happened there. You know, some people say that a man and his wife built many small houses and a giant throne is what they put up, only to cause his wife's demise. Others say it because of the wife was actually a witch. Some even say that he built he only built the houses because he started to hear voices that told him to do it or else. I get that. <laughs> a lot of nutso people that go out and do crazy things hear voices. I, I, you know, I just don't answer them. That's all. I mean, you know, something. <laughs> Today, the area is owned by a private owner, and nobody can visit the village, but people can still learn about it by reading online. The throne has since been destroyed because too many people kept trying to go and see it in person due to its creepy history. However, one of the small houses is supposedly still fairly well preserved which proves how much effort the man put into building them in the first place. A, a part of the actual building, a bigger home that the man and possibly a wife lived in, which is uh, be seen before trespassing and going to the property, please be sure to follow all the signs through and you don't, so you don't try to see the ghost town like this by trespassing. So, Boy, we didn't get through all of it. Well, we almost got through all of it, didn't we? I'll be darned yeah. as far as the ghost town. So that's good. Thanks now, for sticking I with us. I was going to say, if people are interested in hearing more about different ghost towns around the area, 
What are some of the other places? Well, there's nine uh, ghost towns in New Hampshire, ghost towns in Maine, there's ghost towns in Massachusetts, 13 places haunted in New England, abandoned places in New Hampshire, breathtaking castles in Connecticut. Ten nine abandoned. of them, wow. Nine of them, you got it, yeah. And 10 abandoned places in Massachusetts, a riveting ghost towns in Vermont. Every town, every state has it. We got to get out of here, kid. We got one minute. Matt's sitting there with his sunny veil uh, shirt on here, so why don't you get us out of here just a reminder it's third thursday in a, just a couple days that's it this is anita sebastian for my co-host Ernie eldridge wishing everyone out there a great week in the neighborhood stay safe folks you know what to do sweet dreams bunky night night cookie puss